Welcome back to Glad You're Here. I tell you what, I had to uh, squeeze in a little bit more Jillian Ray, even though she just walked out the door with her lovely partner, Eric Martin. That was free by Jillian Ray. And you know what else is cool about this show tonight? We have another audio engineer. Uh, uh, I, I can't say, I don't know the, the term, but an excellent audio engineer, Tony Williamette from Minnehaha Recording Company, joining us here live on Glad You're Here. Tony, how you doing tonight? I'm well, Grant. Thanks for having me. It's just, it's just cool. Yeah, yeah, man. My my pleasure. I've uh, I've known you for a while, and my my dirty little secret on this show is that a lot of the the pipeline of artists that I've been playing has come from Minnehaha Recording because you do such an excellent job over there. How long how long have you been in business as a, a producer, engineer, mixing specialist, all that good stuff? God, so I've been making records for about 17 years if you count just like demos in my mom's basement um with formerly with minnehaha recording company we've had our business for eight years wow yeah so about half of my career which is kind of crazy now but yeah really going hard at it for eight years before that it was all home studios mom's basement etc man that's that's extra cool because like it's one thing it's hard to be an entrepreneur in any day and age, and especially kind of right now, it's 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 tough out there for everybody. But to make it eight years in the recording industry is is pretty incredible. So, what is you know what's what's your secret sauce that that key? I I already kind of know the answer to this because I've I've recorded with you. But what do you think is the secret sauce at Minnehaha Recording Company that keeps keeps people coming back? God, well, I mean, it's it's I, I think in any art, right? Like I I always talk to musicians. It's hard to be a musician right now, right? It's never been harder, yeah. arguably, unless you're playing a lute next to like a boat. <laughs> you know, maybe that was harder. Yeah. But I can't imagine being like an abstract landscape painter or something right now. No. I mean, if you if you choose the kind of art you can make, I mean, no one's buying records. No one's no one's buying oil paintings. So <laughs> that's a good um, point. Anyway, yeah. Go back to our studio. I we just take care of people like it's customer service like any small business like if it was an ice cream shop we'd be taking care of people you know we make sure they're happy with it there's a quality control make sure everything sounds good when it leaves and then I think in like the last two years what I've really pushed for is a sense of community um you know when we met it was just me making records alone in a studio yeah and I started getting interns and assistant engineers and people I could pass projects off to people that were better at editing me better at drum programming better at whatever you know and so i could start handing them hand-picked projects where they'd be more successful than me and so having that sort of community i mean one of our engineers joined your band at one point (laughs) man i've stolen a lot of your engineers another engineer engineer joined your band so i guess yeah twice yeah yeah it's kind of uh it's kind of been my farm team for uh for bandmates um no and you you have you fostered a sense of community and part of that is kind of what you alluded to is through a sense of humility of knowing hey this person might know more about me in this specific thing so let's bring them on and let's have them be the expert in whatever that is because You've got to wear a lot of different hats as an engineer at a studio. Like you, you know, there's there's an emotional element to it. Like people are in there pouring their hearts out in front of you, and you've got to give them feedback. And artists can be a little bit sensitive. And then there's also the part of just making them feel welcome and creating good 
art of whatever genre it is, right? So that's a lot just right there. Like you can go from a hip hop artist and then have a singer songwriter back to back, and you've kind of got to. Do you have to switch gears, or are you kind of the same person in both of those sessions? I just kind of get just all into it, you know. Like in high school, I was kind of a diplomat. You know, I played football, but I hung out with the punk rock kids and smoked weed. You know, so I could kind of go from circle to circle, and then doing studio stuff in a home studio, I did hip hop for years because it's one microphone, one preamp, one channel, one person, hopefully, you know, and uh, just gradually started working on more and more and more full band type things. But yeah, you have to do, we have to do everything here. Um, and, I mean, everyone wants to be treated well and it's like, I can teach our younger engineers about moving microphones and getting tones. You can kind of teach anyone that, but it's the interpersonal stuff that can't be taught. And it's like, I still work on it. I still have to work on it. But the, the vibe is huge. You walk in that studio, it looks right, it feels right, and you're ready to create. And no one's no one's judging you or giving you a hard time. No, that's that's so true. And and it is it is a vibe in there at Minnehaha Recording Company where you walk in and you're like, this is a place where I want to make art. And there there's something to be something to be said about that because you could it it could be a really sterile environment. You know what I mean? Like you could have a perfect speaker system, a perfect mixing board, perfect microphones, and then have everything look really sterile and techy and it's not it's not the same vibe. There's not there's not that creative air floating around like you have at Minnehaha Recording Company. Um do you do you ever have artists that come in and you have to kind of coach them a little bit. I guess I guess what I'm saying is how do you handle less experienced artists when they come into the studio? What are the tips that you have for for rookies that are going in for the first time? Well, we have a whole studio prep sheet that I'm sure you've been served I, at some I point. I certainly have. But so it, you just, you know, you have to meet everyone where they are. You know, we have touring international bands come through and I just put up microphones and let them do their job. And my ego sits back, right? Yep. And then there's 14-year-old Young young women with uh, acoustic guitars who've never done this and they're scared and they they sent a demo or they played piano in front of their family once you know you just have to meet them where they are and say how can we squeeze the best song out of this person you know in the time we have in the budget we have and, and at the same time make them comfortable and enjoy the experience because it's not just this thing you're going to walk away with this recorded file for the rest of your life it's like this experience at this point where people look forward to coming into the studio and we want that. A hundred percent, and the experience is is the thing because you, as you know, you're competing with people that are making records out of out of their basements and things like that, right? So the really the, what you're what you're offering is that experience of going to the studio because there is something special there that people that haven't done it are, are are frankly just missing out on, right? So when you when you bring in a band, what are you? What are you looking at right away? So I know like they'll send you the demos or what have you, um, and you're probably deciding, okay, here are the mics, the preamps that I want to use to get this sound. But what what should a band do to ensure that a session is successful when they come to Minnehaha Recording Company? It's, a, it's all communication, you know. I mean, and what I look for in in like songs and specifics, I'm looking for melody, vocal melodies, lyrics, the stuff that kind of catches you, and you go, okay, do I care about this in the first 20 seconds? Yeah. And on top of that, do I do I want to spend you know eight hours a day in a room with, with this person? Yeah. Do I like this person? You know, that's the other emotional part of this. Um, and usually the answer is some degree of yes for both of those. You know, like great melodies, catchy things, whatever. 
and then I also liked was human. But those are the kind of things I look for, just like from the recording engineer end of things. Um, for bands, if we're talking about a band, just be rehearsed. Know the parts. You know, if you're the rhythm guitar player, know what the lead guitar player is playing on the bridge. You know, it just it happens so often. We're, you know, we'll get halfway through a song and go, wait a minute, you're playing, you're playing that, and the, the bass line's way different than what the rhythm guitar is, and no one can hear themselves in these bad rehearsal spaces. So cutting demos goes a long way. And just rehearsing your asses off—that's the best thing we can do. Yeah, a hundred percent. It it all comes it all comes back to work. M- music is a blue collar profession, no matter which side of it you're on, right? Just put in the work, and you'll you'll be successful. Depending on what your definition of success is, I can't guarantee you'll sell out Madison Square Garden, but you'll you'll have some varying degree of success just by putting the work in. There's there is so much to that. And you also you went was it IPR that you went to for school, the Institute of Produ- Production and Recording? <laughs> Yep, I went to IPR in what might have been the glory days, 2005 to 2007. Um, it was on its old location where the Hewing Hotel is now on Washington and North Loop. Oh, wow. That was a whole different Minneapolis back then. Yeah, it was Warehouse District. It wasn't mm-hmm. North Loop. It was kind of this weird, I mean, it was a long walk to Cuzzy's or Bunkers, you know? <laughs> it was like yeah. nothing else over there. Yeah, it was It was back when, when Cuzzy's fit in in that neighborhood, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it made sense for that to be over there. That's That's pretty cool. So, having had this experience of being taught by other professional engineers, what's kind of like the best piece of advice you ever got in your career, whether it's starting out or even later? Yeah, one of my friends and mentors, Scott Laguerre, who's brilliant, you should have him on the show, he's a music business instructor at University of Minnesota Mankato. He, we had a class, and every one of his classes was like a TED Talk. And this is before TED Talks. Yeah. But every little thing was this lecture. He'd come out motivated, and he'd be like, man, that guy. And he had this piece of advice that was so stupid and trite, but he just said, just do, in quotations. Go do things. And so when I talk to young producers, engineers, I just say, go find people that are making interesting music and surround yourself with them and go record a demo for free and just start doing things and start being involved and become that person that actually does the recording. So people start to look at you as the person that makes records, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's how you got started, right? was basically starting out in your, in your basement at the time, just doing that. You followed that advice to a T until you started recording. I was I was already doing it, but I remember I had a session that day. And he told us this. This is like 2006. I had a session with a with an artist, this folk guy that I'm still in touch with. He's really good, and I was kind of like, ah, I'd rather go home and drink. It's <laughs> my mom's basement, you know. And I got that advice. And I was like, Hey, let's do let's do this. We're doing this session tonight. And so I picked him up in uptown and drove to Bloomington and we recorded it's my mom's basement. That's so. that's awesome. That's that's an awesome story. And as as I alluded to earlier on in the show, I've been I've been kind of stealing a lot of your artists, a lot of the music that comes out of your studio, not stealing, but utilizing a lot of the music that comes out of your studio for this show. And one of the guests that I had on this year was Samuel Wilbur, who came on, I want to say it was July, maybe maybe it was June even. It was it was pretty early on in the show. Um, and he played, and it was it was incredible. And I know he's he releases a record every year on his birthday, which is such a cool thing. But there's a song you sent me by him. It's called "When the Time Comes." Because um, I, I, for anyone listening, I asked Tony to share me share with me some songs that he's really proud of that we can kind of play as we're talking here. And this is one of them you brought up, so I was kind of curious what uh, what about this one strikes you as like the mini haha recording sound for la- back, lack of a better phrase. Well, it's funny because Sam did ninety percent of this. He did he did this stuff at home. He, he recorded. He does a lot of stuff at home. Sometimes he'll come in for drums or 
you know, farm out vocals, farm out drums. And I think Sam Hall, our old engineer, your old bass player, played <laughs> yep. drums on this song in Portland, Oregon. That's awesome. And then sent tracks to us. And so I mixed it. I mastered it. Sam Hall did all the production, all the arrangement. I mean, the guy's the guy's brilliant, you know, and we're just lucky to be able to have a hand in his artwork. Man, I, I hear that. Well, we're going to... We're going to play this one from Sammy Weber. This is called When the Time Comes. I'm glad you're here. You're listening to happyproductions.live. We'll be right back with more of Tony Williamette from Minnehaha Recording Company. So stay tuned after this Samuel Wilbur track. Says blood, I've got someone else's blood inside my face. So Thank you. 
you're here. Wingnut Tattoo and Piercing Studio is offering a 10% bonus on every $50 you add to your in-store gift certificate. Making the thoughtful, personal, and long-lasting gift of a tattoo or body piercing the perfect present for them and or you this holiday season. Two great locations to choose from, Anoka or St. Cloud. This offer is only valid for certificates purchased in-store. But don't worry, you can still get electronic gift certificates at wingnutmods.com. 10% bonus on every $50 increment on in-store gift certificates at Wingnut Tattoo and Piercing Studio. Wingnutmods.com. Are you interested in a technical degree that can help you land your dream career? Or maybe you've always dreamed of going to a four-year college, but you'd like to start close to home. Either way, Pine Technical and Community College has you covered. PTCC offers more than 50 degrees in hot fields like healthcare, information technology, advanced manufacturing, business, and more. PTCC is now accepting applications. Financial aid may be available. Go online to pine.edu for more information. Starting out or starting over, Pine Technical and Community College. Second and third shifters, listen up. I'm Chainsaw Matt, inviting you to clock in with me for Dog Watch. Weeknights from 10 to 2. A great variety of music for everyone that's still awake. Live happy? Happyproductions.live. Live happy? Happyproductions.live. Welcome back to Glad You're Here and HappyProductions.Live. Merry Christmas, everybody. Tony, did you realize this is also our Christmas episode because it gets replayed on Sunday? I didn't get you anything. <laughs> you know, I just watched the episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where he goes to Ben Stiller's birthday party and Ben's like, don't get me a gift. And then he doesn't get him a gift and he's like, why didn't you get me a gift? <laughs> It's perfect. Yeah, it's, perfect. It's, it's pretty spot on. So I know I told you not to get me a Christmas present, but uh, why didn't you give me a Christmas present, Tony? Well, what I always say is I'll send you my edible arrangements, uh, <laughs> my, my, my request list, my registry. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, no, so sorry, I was, I was putting my headphones back on here. So we, we left things off. We were kind of talking about, about that Samuel Wilbur record that we just played, which right before the break, it was called When the Time Comes by Samuel Wilbur, one of the many great artists that have come through Minnehaha Recording Company. But speaking of great artists that you've recorded, I'm kind of curious who, I don't want to make you pick favorites or anything, but like who are some of the big names that you've had come through and what was your experience like recording them? And you, you, you don't have to tell me the dirty details about anybody who, you know, was bad. No, I mean just like just the last like six weeks, we've had some. We had JS Andara come through, wow. local artist from, from Kenya, um, who got nominated for Grammy a couple of years ago. He just came through and did some tracking for a super kind of really cool project he's working on that I can't even talk about. Uh, That's cool. It's just goop, goofy. That's how you know it's like a big thing when you can't talk about it. Yeah. I'm, never, I'm never that guy. Did you have to so. sign an NDA? No, I didn't. Okay. But it was like just like let's be cool. Yeah, that's so. cool. Um, I've been doing some engineering at Paisley Park this year, um, off and on, kind of as needed. Fun. Just hoping, hoping that can keep going. Yeah. And that's another one of the. That's an NDA. That's like, that's, <laughs> that's like a. Uh, here's a bunch of sheets of paper stapled together. Yeah. Did you read them or did you just sign it? 
No, it was like, well, do I want to move forward in life or do I want to, just, <laughs> like, I'm not going to litigate this thing that like how many people have signed, you know? So yeah, fair. Good point. Good point. Anyway, it was, it's pretty benign, but yeah. I looked at it later. It was like benign. So. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. We've had, we had this band night moves from Minneapolis. Yeah. And they're blowing up right now. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, they're really great. Super great guys. Um, I mean, they have a vision and they, they go after it. They're tight. They're organized. That was, you know, we spent two days on two songs. It was super cool. Just awesome. being super mindful about tones on every step of the way. How does the kick drum sound? How does the snare sound? Yeah. And having me, you know, pontificating like the stuff that engineers really like to do is talk about this stuff. So they had, we had fun. They had fun. Got some good stuff down. Yeah. That's, that's actually a really, a really cool thing. Cause you, you focus on getting the right tones and and the mix too, which is is I know it's not the same thing, but what I'm what I'm getting at is I remember one time working on a record with you, and I was like, "Give me more bass," and you looked at me and you're like, "Grant, I can't in good conscience add any more bass to this song. Like I have this thing <laughs> as high as it can possibly go." And I had to be like, "Okay, all right, you know what you're doing. Things things are right." But when you're dialing in tones like that and you're getting really specific. Do you ever have it where they're really specific about something and you're like, man, this sounds like the, I mean, we were talking with Eric about it earlier. This sounds like the snare drum from St. Anger. Like we can't do this. And you get, you get into like a butting of heads with the band. Has that ever happened? Hey, every once in a while, there's something where I don't agree with it, but my job is to, you know, serve the song on the behalf of the artist. Yeah. So in that order, you know, it's the song and the artist, And in the end, this thing's never going to see the light of day if they're not happy with it. That's, that's so, a really good point. It, it's more important that this thing gets out, you know, even if I don't agree in the moment. And then sometimes that snapshot of the moment comes out, you hear it, and you're like, yeah, well, that's, that's actually fine. That's cool. And no one cares about the, the floor time that the dude hits once in the song, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, but it's but it's that cool moment, and it's the thing where I mean, there's stories of this littered in rock and roll history of like, yeah, we spent so many hours on that twelve that tuning on that twelve string and making sure that that was all right, and then we used it for two notes on the song. Like that stuff is is everywhere in rock and roll, uh, you know, the mythos, right? And it's kind of cool because it adds to that experience too. You don't get to do that in your home little, excuse me, your basement studio. Like that's the fun part about going to a studio is playing around with that type of stuff yeah well i would argue you have infinite time to play around with that stuff in your basement that's a good point and i think i think some people get caught up in the studio and they go oh my god we gotta have somewhere you know then they're in a hurry and it's like i don't know if you listen to like a rolling stones record i don't know what the kick drum sounds like you know all you care about is the song and the performance that's, that's all that matters that is Re really that is a really a really good point um it, I, I've been, you know, I read about some of the stuff. I listen to old interviews and like how haphazard some of these recordings were, all in all in the same room with some of the technology limitations. And it's just all that matters is that the song. We, we like the song. Yes, we we like the song. That is a that is a great motto to live by. Serve the song and then the artist in that order, and make sure we like the song. And that's that's one of the things that I've taken away from working at your studio is that there's this hyper focus on the song, and I love that because there's there's an agreement that we make sure we're doing the right things to serve the song and not to serve the lead guitar player's ego or anything like that. And I'm not calling out any lead guitar players. I'm just saying, you know, we're not focused on the wrong things, which is a huge thing. So do you ever have it where you go in there 
and you think that a song is going to sound one way when you hear it from their demo or what have you where they play it for you live and then you start recording it and you're like oh lightning strikes and you take it in a whole different direction yeah yeah I think well my my favorite part of a, a session is like you know say we're doing a weekend lockout and we'll do a Friday night setup where we get tones get headphone mixes get everything right and the bands love that because they can come in fresh on Saturday and you know, they haven't had to sit there and screw around with tones and wait around for me. They can just get to play right away on a Saturday. Yeah. So for the Friday night, this was my favorite part of any record-making process is you get tones, you kind of get them individually. Okay, here's the drums, here's the bass, I like that. And then you let the band play together, just get comfortable in the room. In that moment where you hear, that's like, this is where decisions are made about how this record or this song is going to sound. And it's just kind of how, how everything fits together. I mean, there's days where I have room microphones in one spot and they sound one way with the drum kit. And then the next week I have in the exact same spot and the room sounds three times bigger. <laughs> and then it's, it's, you know, maybe it's a, a centimeter and there's some phase stuff going on. And maybe it's the drummer, more, most likely it's the drummer. Maybe <laughs> Probably. it's the tuning of the drum, maybe it's the snare drum. There's a million variables, but it's amazing how just the, the alchemy of all these different elements can make things sound different. And sometimes it works. Sometimes then we need to tweak the rhythm guitar and make it sound better when we have the full arrangement in there. But that's the coolest part is when you get to hear what this record is going to sound like and then invite the band into the control room and go, this is what this sounds like. What do you guys think? What can we do better? Yeah. You know? I, I love that. And, and like you said, that is, that is part of the deal. And one of the, one of the things that I say, I, I've talked about artists talked with artists on the show about it pretty frequently is about treating the studio like an instrument and not worrying as much about how this is going to sound like recreating this live. Do you, do you have a stance on that from one way or the other? Do you like try and create something? I mean, I guess it depends on what the artists want, but just your personal opinion. Do you, do you prefer trying to recreate something that'll be creatable live or playing with the studio like an instrument? It's whatever the song and the artist needs. I mean, I'll work with, you know, sometimes it's just one artist that, doesn't have a band, but we're slowly fleshing out bass and drums and percussion, and we're doing this whole thing that'll it could never be created live, you know. Yeah. But when we have a band that plays shows, I want to capture them as they are, you know. I want to hear the drums. I want to hear them interacting in the room. You know, we don't necessarily need a click track. I like everyone to be in the same room together because that's how they rehearse. That's how they play shows. So I like capturing that. And if they want to add a Moog or a tape delay or something on top as an overdub later, fine, cool. Um, but I want the foundation of that to be a real live band. Yeah, I I dig that. And and the reason I ask is because there's another song that you recorded that I we've been loving on this show, Glad You're Here. I've been a fan of it since the day that it dropped, which is a year ago now, which is crazy to me. Um, but Traveling Song by Full Catholic, which is a great up-and-coming band in the, in the Twin Cities music scene. And I was curious because I know they like to get really esoteric with their stuff, but they managed to recreate that on stage too, which is really cool. So I was curious what that was like, that experience recording them in the studio. Well, yeah, most of their songs, who've done that? bunch of songs at this point most of the stuff was done live in the room together amplifiers in the same room as drums cool which people don't do these days no. uh, rarely and no headphones so unencumbered by headphones everyone can just kind of hear each other sometimes we'll do a scratch vocal and then we'll always do a, a real vocal later wow so they are in the same room together performing and feeling each other's dynamics you know no click track everything's just a band moving as one unit 
Um, but yeah, they do. We'll, we'll get we'll get into overdubs. We'll get in the weeds with vocal effects, and that stuff's fun. I love doing that. Yeah, and if, again, if it suits the song, I'm all about it. For sure, and it definitely it definitely suited this song, uh, traveling song by Full Catholic. This was was this their first single they put out from this record? I can't remember now. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. And this is just a beautiful song. Um, yeah, we're gonna g- give it a spin. Anything else you want to add about traveling song before we play it here? No, I mean I think it's probably my favorite Full Catholic song. I, I mean I heard this right away and just knew that this is a beautiful song. Even if it never got released or no one cared about it, like this was in my back pocket of like stuff I was going to listen to on my own. I love know? that. Yeah, we're going to talk more about that back pocket of stuff, that you that secret catalog of stuff that's on the cutting floor that uh, you've saved. But first, we're going to play a traveling song by uh, by Full Catholic. I'm glad you're here. We're live with Tony Williamette from Minnehaha Recording Company. We'll be back right after this. So stay tuned.
Corey Medina and Brothers. How do you pronounce that uh, that song, Tony? Is it Sua Kaz? That's probably close. I'm gonna butcher it. I think it's a native thing, and I'm yeah, I'm not uh, even gonna try. All right, that's that's totally fair. So I butchered it for the both of us. But that was that was Sua Kaz by uh, Corey Medina, also recorded at Minnehaha Recording Company by Tony William. What was the experience like uh, recording that one? So I didn't record it or mix it. I mastered that one a oh. few. A few months ago, and I remember I texted you. And I was like, "Hey, I just mastered this project. It's really, this is really special." Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where Corey and company live. I think it's like northern central Minnesota. Um, you should you should check it out. And they're they're because that place shows up up in the middle of nowhere up there. I know. Oh, but yeah. uh, the record's a great experience. It came out about a month ago, maybe two months ago. It was it was super cool. I don't. I never even met anyone in the band. I just mastered this record. And it was local, and I loved it. That's. That's pretty awesome, and it's it's kind of one of the cool things about what you do is that you guys do a little bit of everything, right? Recording, mixing, mastering. I mean, did I did I miss anything in there? Yeah, this po- I mean, podcast, audiobooks. Oh, yeah, that's, that's where right. it's really, you get in the weeds really quick. You know, it's yeah. like that's and it's and, and it's not one person trying to do everything like that was me six years ago. But it's you know we have engineers that are really good at voiceover projects. We have engineers that are really good at hip hop. We have engineers that are really good at Americana. You know. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And you've, you, like we talked about earlier, you've, you you kind of have to wear wear a lot of hats to be, to build it and grow it where you are. And having people that can specialize in those things is huge. Um, but I am curious, and I know we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'm really curious about kind of how you're. I, I, I mean, getting in the getting in the weeds and nerding out about business a little bit, right? Like, what is your, what is your target? How are how are you growing this? I know what you're doing, and I know how you're doing that. But how are how are you growing this and building the sense? Does that question make sense? Do you know what I'm trying to get yeah, at? Yeah, I, I I don't even I don't know. You know, like I I was eating, eating dinner tonight with my wife, and I was like, hey, oh, I'm gonna master this six song record for this guy. And I, I'm like, don't you ever just wonder like how does this even happen? Like yeah. we're lucky, to, you know. There's just a, a big sense of gratitude that we get these emails and phone calls and. It's like ninety percent word of mouth, and then like ten percent SEO. Yeah. You know, yep. Like like good reviews, which is you know it ends up being word of mouth too because it's people that care about us to leave a Google review. It's it's huge, and it helps it helps the whole SEO thing. Which anyone who doesn't know what SEO stands for, it's search engine optimization. It's a whole thing about trying to get your uh, when when you type in mini high recording or happy. If there's another like mini haha or another happy thing, you want to make sure yours is the top one. You show up in those search results um, without having to play the ad game that Google's playing. They make everybody pay for ads, so those top that's why those top results are always ads. And I'm I'm falling down a rabbit hole now, but I was just curious because you're in you, as you know you're in a competitive industry, and there's a lot of cool studios around town and you've you've said this before you've been like yeah this studio is cool you've worked at paisley park yada yada and you also have an interesting insight into the music community so i got i got a question this is the only real scripted question that i have that i ask everybody except for jillian i forgot to ask jillian this earlier but again everyone it was hectic i got here a half hour late because it took two and a half hours to drive here but the question is you could uh you could set up a studio theoretically anywhere right like you could be doing this in new york city you could be doing this in nashville you could be doing this in los angeles etc etc um but you choose to do this in minneapolis and i know there's an element of you know your home is here and, and and you live here but what about the scene the minneapolis music scene the minnesota music scene is it that attracts you and makes you want to record artists here in particular i mean a lot of it's just like 
dumb. I was born in the suburbs and I'm here and my people have been here for years. You know, like yeah. grandparents and like, you know, everyone's here and, and I'm not adventurous enough to move to like Zurich and go set up camp. You no. know? Yeah. No, that's. But, but no, there there is enough art per capita to barely support a couple studios in town. And that's just like kind of where we're at. But, but I do talk about it on like an art per capita basis because I do think we have a densely populated art art and music scene and it's it's been good and you know people harken back to like the 80s and they're like replacements and who's could do and paid in prince you know yep. they're like it was like a music city you know yeah. there's still a lot of really cool things going on and i'm sure there's a lot of cool things going on in phoenix i just don't know about them exactly and in every every little scene you just got to turn over the rocks and kind of know where to look but it's it's a little bit like driving um, I, I kind of compare it to driving on the interstate versus taking the back roads, right? Like, you can see the whole country driving across the interstate, and all of it's going to look the same. Um, but if you actually take the back roads and turn over some rocks and see what see what the locals are doing, it, it's going to be a bit different. It's, there's going to be some cool stuff there no matter where you are. Um, and that's that's one of the cool things that, that we certainly have here. Do you feel like the scene has changed since you've kind of started? Have you noticed a change at in any way? Um, I think I've seen like you know the older punks and hardcore and crust punk kids kind of age. You know they're in their fifties <laughs> now or whatever. Still hanging um, on, still and, fighting. And I've, yeah, I've seen like a lot of the younger younger kids are doing cool things. So we get young interns and assistant engineers that are tied in with these scenes at the U of M and that sort of thing. Where you know these kids went through like this year of COVID where they had these house shows and house parties yeah. and had this tight knit community that I knew nothing about until they started coming in here making records and that sort of thing. Um, you know, you just you see a lot more a turn towards electronic-based stuff, sample-based stuff, programmed things, hip-hop. Um, but there are still kids playing guitars, you know? No, it's there's always going to be kids playing guitars. There's always going to be kids that get them for Christmas. Um, and if you're unwrapping a guitar today, congratulations. I hope you are. It's it's the, one of the greatest gifts you'll ever get. You just got to play it. Um yeah, it's it's cool. It's cool that you have that perspective of always being able to keep your finger on the pulse, even if you don't want to. You know, you know what I mean. Like you're you're always going to know what's going on in the scene. You can't bury your head in the sand. Yeah, I have to, and I have to more than know it. I have to like be good at it. It's, yeah. and, and I've like kind of forced myself to not be this old man. Like I, I can I can mix and master a trap record as well as I can mix and master a country song. That's which is like I don't want to be a master of none, but I've been forced to be a jack of all. You know? Yeah, no, it, it makes sense. And and the th- things are always changing. Is there any genre of music that you just go, I can't do it? I can't do it. There is, you know, the one thing we don't really touch is metal. Interesting. Yeah. We just, you know, the uh, nothing against the metal community, which is something I wasn't ever really into. And there was always some artist or some song that drew me to all the other genres that I could relate to, that I could say, hey, I want to help reproduce this. I want to help make records like this. But yeah, it's, you know, we do like noise rock. We do heavy, heavy music, but just not the metal thing. We haven't, we just haven't, I've done a couple metal records in my life, but there's people that can do it better than us. There's, you know, people are going to have a better time doing it than me. Yeah, no, I I hear, and metal, metal is a very interesting genre to me because it's, most genres, I think, point our niche genres but metal is one of those things where i think you have to get in early kind of like punk i don't think anyone discovers punk at 40 right like you you discover metal early when you're young and angsty and i feel like there's people that discover metal and then there's people that discover like sad singer songwritery stuff <laughs> and you kind of fall into either camp you know what i mean like 
I, I know you li- listened to Songs Ohio back in the day. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I can't... Magnolia Electric well, Company. Yeah, well, I come from, like, the punk world, where yeah. we were metal adjacent. Like, these were, like, fellow outcasts, but I just couldn't get into it. I was like, Metallica or Pantera? I just wasn't into it at all. And all my friends, my friends were into that stuff, and I just really... No, I was, I'd rather listen to... Uh, Listen like Bad Religion or No Effects, you know, Minor Threat back then. Yeah, were you into were you into like the Minnesota punk scene at all back in the day? Like, were you were you before you were recording? Were you into that stuff? No, not not really. I didn't really like appreciate the replacements until I was maybe like eighteen, nineteen. Oh wow. Um, no, and yeah, no, I had no one to turn them turn me on to. You know, my dad was into like the blues of the seventies, so yep. he didn't care about punk or post punk stuff going on. Um, wasn't until I got to college and kind of exposed myself to other people that I really got into that stuff. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting, and that's kind of how it goes for for a lot of people. I think, right? You start out with whatever your parents listen to; that's what you listen to, and then you kind of rebel against that. And it's usually an older brother or a friend's older brother or like the guy at the record store who kind of <laughs> points you in a direction. Yeah. You know? Yeah, or Tony Hawk Pro Skater one and two. Oh, know? dude, so true. Tony Hawk Pro Skater. That that's that soundtrack was incredible. You know what else had an underrated soundtrack though was like those. Um, well, I, I think the early Madden games. I think those had good soundtracks too. Like those. Yeah, well, they, they'd be handpicked for whatever was hot that year, kind of right. Yeah, exa- exactly. Like Franz Ferdinand. I remember them being on Madden songs back in the day. I don't know if they're still a band even, but they were. They oh, were yeah. great. They're still they're right? still doing. They're, so, yeah. they're still doing it. That's awesome. Uh, well, so no, the, the Tony Hawk thing would be goofy though because. So Madden in the NHL games, they would pick a song. Tony Hawk would be like, "Here's a song from '91, <laughs> no one's heard," yeah. you know. And then all of a sudden, it'd be this popular thing, and now it's a soundtrack to a bunch of dudes that are in their mid thirties. You know, they found this stuff when they were fourteen. It's it's so cool to me that like licensing stuff like that can just revive a band's career. I mean, look at what happened with Stranger Things this past year, right? Kate mm-hmm. Kate Bush's song, uh, I think her name's Kate Bush, that "Running Up the Hill." No one knew that in the '80s. Now everyone everyone loves that song. It's kind of oh, cool. Oh, the to real see. the real like goth kids and electronic kids knew that stuff. Because I've seen my my friends, my Gen X friends, come out of the woodwork, you know, complaining about it. <laughs> <laughs> Upset that these kids are, are stomping on their scene. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, or thirteen year old girls are just like loving it. You know. Yeah, I, that's, so, which is all the better. Everyone's loving it. It's ex- good for Kate Bush. Ex- exactly. It's it's such an interesting thing how how we define ourselves uh, by the music we listen to. But we we got one last song that came out of your studio that we're gonna that we're gonna play tonight. This one's this one's called.